Hello everyone and welcome back to the Computer Vision Introduction Podcast Show. The podcast show where we talk all about everything computer vision. From the individual components of the technology, including vision, cameras and deep learning, right through to hearing about some of the most interesting applications that companies are using at the moment. Hello everyone and welcome to the Computer Vision in Production Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today's guest is Light Nessin Lundbeck who is the CEO and co-founder of Zion. Uh, Life, great to have you on the podcast and welcome to the show. Yeah, hi, great to be here. Thanks a lot for the invitation. Right, always, always good to have you and great to be speaking with you again. So this is a very special episode of Computer Vision in Production because we're actually going to be focusing on more of a trending topic moving into the industry. That's the topic of federated learning. So. Rather than me tell you about why I'm speaking with Life, Life, why don't you give us an overview of Zion, what you do, and what your product is? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, Zion, first of all, is all about uh, search. So um, we try to kind of, well, combine two different things which are quite important in search. First of all, I mean, search is about convenience. Convenience means in that respect uh, that you want to find the best results possible for you. And you means in that respect, well, that, of course, when you talk about search, well, everybody means something different when you search for something, right? So, for example, terms like um, Bavaria can mean, for example, that you're um, seeking for like a football club like Bayern München or you seek for just like country Bavaria and you want to have, for example, uh, some information about sites, you want to have some information about um, the population and so on and so on. So you mean very different things. And well, search engines in particular are very good in understanding what you really mean with your natural language. But of course, it's not only about your natural language, it's also about uh, images, it's also about videos and so on. So search is a very, very broad topic also. And as a search engine, you have to cover multiple different things. But in general, they all have in common that you have to understand what people really mean and what the content is, what the context of the content is, is and so on. So it's a lot about machine learning and it's and machine learning, of course, is about data. And of course, this data really is the driver of this convenience. But data is also a very, well, let's say difficult topic because Well, the more data you collect, and especially personal data, of course, you diminish the privacy of your users. And of course, major search engines like Google or Bing are completely driven by exploiting as much data as possible from their users. Well, and then, of course, you have completely different search engines, like the privacy search engines, like DuckDuckGo, for example, which, well, do the exact opposite. So they're basically not collecting any data at all. And of course, you as a user, you have to pay for these search results because you pay with your time. You have to spend more time in order to find what you're searching for because the search engine itself cannot really understand you that well. And we are about solving exactly this issue at Xane because we want to exploit data, but we don't want to exploit your privacy. So what we do is we analyze and learn about you and your preferences and about the context of documents and images directly on device level. So, for example, you can download Xane in the App Store and Play Store as well. And we learn directly on the chip level, so on the device level, on the edge and everything, all the data stays also there. Well, the problem now is 
well, how can you really combine all of this knowledge without combining data? And there, federated learning really comes into place. So Xane is not only about search, Xane is also about federated learning. So we built the open source framework XaneNet, which is a framework to learn directly on device and then combine basically all of these knowledge uh, with that has been basically learned on the edge and combine all of this uh, in a centralized place and redistribute all of these learnings. Federated learning itself kind of solves this kind of convenience and privacy dilemma, also called AI privacy dilemma, where you have really this trade-off between AI using data and privacy not using data. And uh, with federated learning, you can kind of solve this because all the data stays distributed, but the learnings basically can be merged and redistributed. The problem with that is also that um, you have to take in con into consideration that a model itself still contains a lot of private information. So therefore, we also took care of that and we apply actually masked federated learning. Masked federated learning means that we also encrypt the models with homomorphic encryption. And basically, we can aggregate these models without having to decrypt the individual local models. So we gain basically an encrypted global model, which we can then decrypt and all the information stay basically intact and we cannot as easily basically recompute the underlying data sets. So that in general is what federated learning is about and you can apply it basically to all sorts of problems. But of course, there is a lot of things you have to take care when really applying this in production. Okay, cool, excellent. Thanks for the very strong overview of your life. Really, really interesting. Now. I suppose while we're talking on federated learning and as we've seen as this is the computer vision in production podcast, I suppose, would you care to go into a little bit more detail as to how federated learning can impact deep learning? Well, I mean, federated learning can impact deep learning, especially when it comes to very sensitive um, applications. Uh, so sensitive means, well, either legally you cannot really gather all of this data into a central place um, or you have a use case uh, like Zane's use case where your customers or your users demand a certain level of privacy right so you cannot just collect the data because it's part of your product but of course so there's these two different streams which i would say are a bit different in general so when it comes to end consumers that demand privacy then well you have to focus a bit more on the edge really because you cannot even have data in a certain organization at all when it comes to legal requirements for data we talk about for example hospitals that have a lot of data and that cannot just for example hand over the data to a uh, whatever drug producer or so because of course this data is personal data from the patients so we talk about really different different problem sets here but of course in common they have they have in common that it's problematic to just combine the data and train on a centralized data set which of course is a way easier right but in federated learning you have this kind of restriction and you want to overcome this so what you do basically is as I said, you just train where the data is. So instead of bringing the data to the algorithm, you just bring the algorithm to the data, train where the data is, and then only aggregate the learning, basically. So the models themselves, and, and then redistribute basically this kind of uh, learnings to the edge um, or wherever you want to have them, and then do the next training round. Of course, this complicates certain things, but it can really solve also a lot of hurdles that you have 
because it's actually a technical solution to a legal problem um, or to also regulation problem, really. And I often uh, say it's way better to just solve this in a technical, with technical means, rather than whatever is setting up, for example, a foundation, setting up certain government structures uh, in order to being allowed to trade, for example, data. I think this might work in very big cases, but it's a lot uh, more problematic to to um, do that. And I mean, would you want to actually set up at every time foundation for every single use case just in order to have the data in one central place? I really highly, highly doubt that. And I think technical solutions are usually much better. Yeah, no, look, I understand. And I do believe one of the biggest advantages that you can show if you can bring in, you know, federated deep learning, uh, federated learning, deep learning application is that, you know, you're not adding value to a product, you're actually adding value to something like an algorithm. Now, very challenging with these is sometimes, you know, the access to data that you may have up front. Like if you have got access to very little data, can you do federated learning with, you know, maybe like few shot learning or one shot learning? Depends really often on the use case, I would say. I mean, uh, you can actually do federated learning with very small amounts of data. For example, I often say that Xane is actually a small data company rather than a big data company because, well, we have to keep like very small amounts of data that we get gain from users on the edge and, and basically learn on these interactions. So, for example, in, in terms of the search engine, I mean, you wouldn't want to do thousands or 10,000 or 100,000 interactions before the learning kicks in. We actually have a threshold of saying the learning has to be good already with less than 10 interactions. So therefore, I mean, this is, this is of course, like you have to think or really carefully design um, what, what's happening behind the scenes. You have to use a lot of boosting mechanisms. So we, for example, use dynamic contextual multi-arm bandits in order to really boost the learning as fast as possible. But in general, it really depends on the use case because the uh, largest problem in federated learning is not the learning itself and or combining models and so on. The largest problem is actually, well, the labeling. It's not, it's not really the training, but the labeling is really the problem because you have to get the labels Usually, or in, in, in many applications, well, you do the labeling centralized also. So you have the data centralized and you have actually often humans even doing the labeling. I mean, think about voice recognition, for example. Also, image recognition is uh, in many cases still based on, on human labeling. And therefore, you not only have to distribute um, the training, you also have to distribute the labeling process. And well, when it comes to that, you have to be very creative because you often have to engage also your uh, user base or your community or your customers or whatever you have in order to do the labeling, well, in an automatic way or in a way that is fun or in a, in a way that basically they do anyways. So, I mean, I can give you an example of perhaps when it comes to vision or computer vision, you would not want to build a centralized database or, I mean, in, in federal terms of federal learning, you cannot even do that, but usually you would do that. Uh, but here you have to do basically. Um, let's come when it comes to, for example, hospitals. You have to do the doc. Have to have the doctors basically labeling the images in order to process them. Uh, because of course, if you just have unlabeled data, you cannot really train on that. At least in many cases, especially in computer vision. Okay, and I suppose look okay, now that we're really looking at federated learning in computer vision. What types of applications do you see being able to benefit from it? Or 
I suppose what types of applications do you think it could use from or be really benefited to? Like, are we talking autonomous vehicles here? Talking about learning in the vehicle uh, based off a previous algorithm? Or is it maybe, you know, retail algorithms that could benefit from it more? There's really different types of applications. Um, very certainly, um, autonomous driving is one of the the application areas in general. And autonomous driving is, of course, a very large vision topic. Here, I mean, the most central uh, problem is really doing the training on the edge, because, of course, it's an, it's, it's a cross-device federated learning use case. So in general, you can you always classify between cross-device and cross-silo use cases. So silos are more like a hospital, for example, and devices are like cars in that case. And when it comes to devices, you often have, for example, power restrictions, uh, and certainly cars do have power restrictions and computing resource restrictions. However, very modern cars and so also have more and more computational power. They often even have GPUs on board. So you can do also uh, a certain amount of training um, on the edge. So of course, also you have a lot less data per car. So also the training is less yeah, power consuming. So I, I see that definitely as one of the largest areas. Another large area is is, is really um, everything around healthcare, really. So and there um, I see uh, also cross-silo uh, and cross-device uh, use cases. So cross-device use cases may be involving really uh, also end-users where you, for example, I mean, a lot of end-users yeah, kind of collect a lot of data about themselves. I mean, for example, how many steps they walk. Uh, often people have, for example, smartwatches, which uh, collect a lot of data. And you could do a lot of these trainings directly on the edge. And you could, of course, also imagine going really into the vision area there where you can, for example, also, for example, take pictures about yourself and uh, describe certain symptoms. Uh, and you can, of course, um, also uh, train on this data. But when it comes to hospitals, this area might be, of course, even larger because hospitals sit on an enormous amount of data. And this data is usually not used, unfortunately. And the problem there is that I see that often hospitals don't even have computational resources at all. They certainly have the power of labeling, which is good because the data is usually already labeled. However, the data or the training cannot be used, of course, if they have no resources at all. And also I see a problem of actually a larger political driver really of, uh, of, of, of yeah, kind of uh, going forward in this kind of process. And in general, I mean, of course, when it comes to specific use cases, there is such an enormous amount of use cases because there is a lot of uh, images really also taken in hospitals um, from x-rays uh, towards images about the patients themselves and so on and so on. And of course, a lot of these hospitals have this data. And of course, uh, I mean, the larger society would, of course, also profit from combining all of this data. But also, of course, then again, we have the um, regulation kicking in. We have a lot of privacy issues kicking in. And therefore, it wouldn't make sense really to start uh, using federated learning here. And I must say, there is already first um, pilot projects going on, for example, with NVIDIA um, and also British hospitals that really go forward here and show also that with federated learning, you can really achieve uh, amazing results without even having to share the data at all. Okay, excellent. And then, so there's some clear benefits as to how we can have positive impacts in edge computing, deep learning, image recognition, 
and the computer vision space. But I suppose you touched on one of the, the topics that are really important, you know, for example, healthcare, even with GDPR, it makes everywhere, I suppose, very sensitive to data. Now, I suppose, how do you ensure that this data is is protected? I suppose deep down, is it, do they have to, there's no, is there a cent, there's no centralized source, which you've already mentioned. So, you know, there's no access. You break into one, you get access to millions of data points. Like, but I suppose for those people not, not familiar, can you just explain a little bit more about the data protection aspect of federated learning? Well, of course. So um, federated learning itself, I would say, is a bit independent from protecting the data. So uh, federated learning as a concept uh, uh, makes a lot of sense. But of course, if you want to apply federated learning in production, then you really have to take care about really also protecting data. And well, I mean, this doesn't only mean that you have to provide a secure storage of the local data sets. Well, I mean, for example, if you keep the data on, on your mobile phone, I mean, then this is already pretty secure. But you have to, of course, also protect the models themselves because the models, so one model, one locally trained model might be so small or the changes of this model might be so small that you can just compare, for example, the model before and the model afterwards and then basically take this information in order to recompute basically what is the underlying data set really from an individual user. So you have to really think about how do I protect my local models and um, how do I make sure that no one can easily re-engineer the underlying data sets? And this is, I think, one of the most important points. This is, for example, why our open source framework also is, is really so much focused on, on, on homomorphic encryption also in that sense, which is one option of, of protecting the data or the models, because federated learning itself does not solve the privacy issues completely. So, for example, XaneNet is is much more about homomorphic encryption than it is about federated learning because you cannot apply uh, federated learning in production otherwise. So really take care about um, about that. There's also other protocols, um, for example, um, uh, PySift, which is also going into, for example, multi-party computation. And uh, so there's there's options out there, but you always have to take care that you really protect the data. Of course, I mean, as I said, for example, you, you have to take care less about where you store the data. I mean, that's that's true per se, but of course you have to also uh, protect the data in such a means that no one can not easily just log into one account or one mobile phone or so and, and gather the local data because that, of course, would be then uh, diminishing also the purpose of, uh, of federated learning. Okay, excellent. I suppose like look that that kind of takes us up to what we would like to have covered on this education or uh, education bonus. Sorry, I just want to go go record over that. So life that would take us up uh, to cover everything we were hoping to discuss on this episode of federated learning in machine learning and computer vision. I suppose before we finish up, is there anything else you would like to mention while we're on the topic of computer vision and federated learning? Not really in general, but I would say, I mean, as, as a last word, perhaps, I think everyone who is working in, well, I mean, critical areas or uh, where basically privacy or data security is really critical and should really take a look into federated learning and they should take a look into how they can solve or overcome really the security and privacy issues with technology. And I think federated learning is one of the best options out there. And But really, 
you have to be creative when it comes to the labeling because that is that is usually the aspect where it becomes really i mean like the the cornerstone of whether this will work or not excellent thank you life so for everyone listening this is the computer vision in production podcast i'm your host anthony kelly today's guest was life who is the ceo and co-founder of zion life great to have you yeah thanks a lot and i'm glad to be here Thank you for listening to this episode of the Computer Vision in Production podcast with your host, Anthony Kelly. To make sure you get updates on the latest episodes of the show, make sure you subscribe on your preferred podcast listening app or add me on LinkedIn.